1: just can't sit there and trade twos for threes, you can't do it, you're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose.
0: And more, you won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to discuss MSU's upcoming game against the Wisconsin Badgers in Madison, Wisconsin. Before we begin, some exciting news. I've had a lot of you reach out to me and ask when we would again have Show Logo Apparel available. Well, now we do, but it's only for a limited time. The store is only up for two weeks, and it will close on February 5th at 8 p.m. All orders must be in by then. It takes then two weeks to process and get shipped to you, so it's about a four-week turnaround. Uh, Everything's being sold at cost, so... There's nothing that goes to us. However, we do want you, if you can, send some photos. Once you get some stuff of you wearing the apparel around town, whatever, it'd be really great to kind of post that just kind of see everyone into that stuff. Uh, So not only will this keep Rod out of the post office, his favorite place, since nudge printing, or it's actually the Fabricated Customs, will we handle the shipping, uh, but it'll also give you a much bigger variety of products than what we had previously. So we'll still have the t-shirts, we'll still have the hoodies, uh, but we'll also have quarter zip for ladies and men's pullovers, sweatshirts. Uh, full-zip hoodies, and actually tote. Uh, so of all the products I've gotten a nudge, I can assure you they're all top quality, super comfortable. Uh, You'll be very pleased with it, and I think very reasonably priced. You can find the link to find all that stuff at the, the store at our support page. So that's at tffinots.com slash support. There you can get links to leave a few shekels in the tip jar as one-time gifts or on a recurring basis, uh, which would be much appreciated, obviously. You can also get a link to all our great sponsors, Coach Garland's autographed Book, and our affiliate links for the Electrolyte Recovery Salt, LMNT, and Podbean Podcast. All right. So, right, Let's talk about the Badgers as MSU looks to avenge its horrendous showing at home back in December, where they were just absolutely handled by Wisconsin. Uh, as Michigan State faces off on Friday night, the Badgers are 15-4 and four overall, 7-1 and one in the Big 10, coming off a two-point, I guess escape you could call it, against Minnesota and Minneapolis Tuesday night. They're 11th in Pen- Ken Palm, 13th in the net. Uh, so they're very much within striking range of a top four seed at the NSA tournament. On offense, they're very good. They're sixth in the nation. Uh, it's not very unusual for them because they're very good. They're very efficient. They don't, you know, usually turn the ball over. So this year, they're extremely efficient offensively uh, by shooting the ball very well. Uh, they're thirty-six point one percent from three, which is just slightly less than what Michigan State's shooting. Uh, they're also seventieth inside the arc. Uh, they're fifty-fifth in turnover percentage, which actually for them is very, very. Uh, poor ball control, (laughs) but the fact that they do other things, they're shooting better, it helps them at their offensive efficiency line. Uh, So they've been like, what, top three, a lot of the previous three years in turnover percentage. Uh, So this is pretty poor for them as 55. By contrast, Michigan State, you know, what is Michigan State? I think they're like, are they like the top
1: 60 or so for Michigan State this season? Yes, Michigan State is, I think, maybe slightly above wisconsin i'd have to double check it i want to say they were 53rd and wisconsin is 55th i think right yeah and which is you know incredibly good for michigan state just because you know the way the teams are always different so it's all relative
0: it's all relative uh so their offensive rebounding which was really good when michigan state faced them back in december has come down a little bit so they were uh they're ranked in the 109th which is still really good for them uh but you know it may continue going down uh, another strength is free throws. They're 82nd in free throw attempts and 15th in free throw percentage at almost 78%. So all those things put together just make them uh, an elite offense from an efficiency standpoint, although they may not be super pretty like in some ways you might expect teams to play. So in defense, they haven't been quite as good. They're 46 overall. Uh, they've really done poorly against threes. Teams are shooting almost 36% against them and kind of middle of the pack as far as limiting attempts from outside the arc. They're not great at getting, um, at limiting twos at success. They're 190th in twos. They're 158th in creating turnovers. Uh, but a lot of that is just that dead ball because they, they have very low steal percentage of 191st in steals. So they're really, really good though. When they get you to miss, they clean it up. And so they're seventh nationally in defensive rebounding. So that helps their defensive uh, stats a lot. Uh, and so not surprisingly, also this year, they are a very slow paced team. They're 327th overall, 345th in length of offensive possession. Uh, but opponents are playing a little faster than average. They're playing 127th in length of opponent possession. So that's the fastest people played against them for a few years now. And then I guess the last thing, which I think was the case, was it last year or the year before? They are have incredible uh, free throw defense. And so yeah. <laughs> so teams are not shooting free throws very well against them for some reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's... That's true. And they're also, although I I didn't mention it, um, they're not quite, they're not terrible, but they're not quite as good as they used to be in terms of avoiding fouls. If you remember, people used to scream, and rightly so, (laughs) about the way Bo Ryan coached his teams defensively because they would never get called for fouls, but they were one of the most physical teams you'd play because all the activity was below the waist. They were very smart about it. It was stuff that, Their physical contact didn't tend to draw the attention of officials who were looking higher. That's been sort of legislated out of the game a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's also just, you know, I think Greg Gard's a very good coach. He's not Bo Ryan. He's (laughs) on Bo Ryan's staff, but he's not Bo Ryan. So um, I think it's a combination of those two things. Look, this is, um, you can't deny the fact that they've had a very good season to date. They're very much in competition for a top four seed. In fact, if it were today, I'd just about bet the house they'd get it because the metric systems like them. Um, the record's good. Winning, their record is very good. Yeah, yeah. it all lines up. Um, but I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm a believer in Wisconsin as a good team. I'm not necessarily a believer in them as one of the two best teams in this conference. Now we'll see, they may end up with one of the two best records. It's entirely possible, but Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's, this is for a few reasons. I'll start on the offensive end. When they are elite offensively, this is the formula, what you're seeing. We, we've seen them in some recent seasons kind of go against type a bit, but they're not this year with one exception, which I'll talk about. Um they're shooting the ball pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. You know. Um the, the it's funny. I looked back at our show notes for the preview for the first game and they were right about just slightly below where MSU was coming into that game from 3. They are still just slightly <laughs> below where MSU is from 3. Both teams have gone up like 6-7% yeah, since right. early December. So they've improved there, which is a big deal. Um, if, if you remember that first game, that's really where the renaissance started for Wisconsin. It took MSU until the next game, the Nebraska game, to really catch fire. But Wisconsin killed MSU from three. Yeah, um, Crowell went four for four. I think Storr hit three or four threes. It was guys who back then were not shooting well, and they just delivered. Um, so the team has gotten better there. Uh, the turnovers, as you said, they're not as good as they normally are. This is their worst season in several years in that regard, but let's be honest, 55th in the country is still pretty damn good. They're not doing double digit turnovers, right? I mean, they're still usually when you, right. When you shoot the ball and you take care of it at that level, you're going to be a very efficient offensive team, right? Um, the offensive rebounding was an outlier before the December game because it was crazy good for them. This is a program that historically just doesn't even bother trying. Their whole thing has always been about uh, emphasizing floor balance. they de- getting their defense set, not letting you get into transition. And they don't care about offensive rebounding because they figure with the way they take care of the ball, they're going to get sh- enough shots up to win. They don't mm-hmm. need extra shots via offensive rebounding. That's the theory. And it's been pretty good because most years, certainly the vast majority of the season's under Ryan and, you know, often enough under guard, they've had very efficient offenses. But the difference between them, say, a team in the 20s offensively or 30s and what they are this year is that they're also shooting the ball well and that the offensive rebounding, even with the downtick lately, is still... You know, 109th is not a disaster area. Certainly not for them. Now, I do think the trend has been in a negative direction, and they're in the Big Ten, which is a conference that tends to emphasize rebounding generally. So I will not be surprised if that number, that ranking continues to decline a bit. But, you know, they're still good enough. They've got some guys crawling, and wall in particular that can hurt you. So that's a deal offensively. Um, I think the question is, can the shooting hold up where it is? If it does, they're going to continue to be an elite offensive team from an efficiency point of view. Defensively, though, is where I think there are problems. They don't guard either the three or the two particularly well. Um, and the problem with the three percentage, they're giving up 36%. That's a high number. Yeah. And and they're not holding down opponent attempts, as you mentioned. They're also not, as I said, they're not the same kind of team as they historically have been over the last generation in terms of avoiding fouling. Now, they're getting, they're riding that luck train, as you talked about, <laughs> with opponent free throw percentage, but that's that's purely luck. Yeah. You don't have any control over that, so the, the thing you care about more is how often are you fouling, and they're kind of mediocre in that area. The only thing that's saving their bacon that's making them even the 46th best defensive team is that elite defensive rebounding. And that, again, is a Wisconsin program staple. It's something they always do. They're doing it again this year at an extremely high level. So if they generate a miss, you're not getting second chances. Um, So that's that's the key there. But teams are are hitting a lot of shots. So when I see that kind of Those kind of issues popping up defensively, I do wonder. And I watched a lot of the game against Minnesota. They deserved to lose that game. They were up 15. It was kind of a similar game in some ways to the MSU at Maryland game in terms of the flow of it. Like Wisconsin had a 15-point lead in the first half, and then they gave it all up. Um, Minnesota led the game late Hmm. and just couldn't close just couldn't close had opportunities and just couldn't close it um i wasn't super impressed with wisconsin in that game um as we know minnesota is a tough team they're a gritty team but i i think i think even on the road you probably if you're if you're truly a big 10 title contender you aspire to more than a one possession and that's not the end of the world. I mean, teams can lose games, right? Even good teams lose games. Sure. But they were... Wisconsin was coming off a loss at Penn State where they were really bad. And, and so that's two straight games against teams that, for better or for worse, are perceived to be near the bottom of the conference. And I think fairly. Yeah. And they haven't looked good. So is that just a momentary blip? They yeah. had a weird few days. And... And now they're ready to bounce back. I don't know. But I I do think that defensive performance is something to watch. That is a vulnerability. um, And and it's clear they're not stopping anybody at anything. You know, teams are killing them from three. They're hurting them inside the arc. So, you know, basically they got to hope you miss and then they'll get a rebound. So that helps it from being, you know, a Michigan kind of disaster or Iowa. But it's it's that is not a formula for big time success. You can be a good team playing that way. I don't think you can be a great team. And so we'll see if they can find ways to improve, or if this becomes an issue as we start getting into the second half of Big Ten season and the postseason.
0: Yeah, and I think you know a lot of times you just have to look at when teams on the splits home and away. They're such different teams that it seems like right now in the Big Ten, especially we have a lot of teams that are kind of all kind of the same and all jumbled up, the difference, you know, home court is a huge advantage. And so, you know, maybe we'll see what Wisconsin looks like coming back. You know, it's one of those games where would, would you like, would you like Wisconsin losing that game and then coming back to Colson? Or would you rather have them to squeak out a win? And, you know, I don't know what's, what's a better
1: situation for Michigan state to face them. I wasn't bothered by the outcome. I think either, you know, you can make an argument that psychologically it's a little better for Michigan state because they played, I'm not going to say poorly, but they didn't play great. Yeah. But yet they won, so you can start to fool yourself a little bit. But I think it's marginal. I think for me, the bigger thing is, you know, where's the where's the trend line mm-hmm. in terms of how they're playing? Let's remember, this team had a bad stretch at the beginning of the non-conference. You know, they yeah. lost a bunch of games and some very unimpressively. You know, when we when we previewed the first game, we were at a point in the season where I think it was part of our discussion. Okay, which is the real Wisconsin team—the team that had played <laughs> right. better of late at that point, or the team that in early mid-November got smoked a couple times—and and, and I think I think that there's variance in terms of what this team can be. You know, if um, if they happen to have a night where they're just not shooting particularly well. They could be in trouble. Yeah. Because typically the defense is going to be the more consistent area of your play. So if you're not a great defensive team, it could happen, but it's unlikely that that's going to bail you out on a night where shots aren't falling. And look, even for good shooting teams, which they are, there are nights when shots don't fall. Sure. We saw that last for about three weeks for Michigan State, right? Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, and they are a good shooting team definitively now um that's what the numbers tell you so if if your eyes don't um but wisconsin it's very similar if, if you tell me that michigan state goes into this game at the coal center and they shoot 25 percent from three and 38 percent overall from the floor i'm not going to find that totally shocking it can happen yeah so you just you just don't know um you mentioned i want one quick comment about the home road split I believe that to date, and I don't know if this number's been updated through the last couple of days, probably hasn't. But home teams winning, the percentage of home teams winning, has been significantly higher—like twelve, thirteen percent higher than the high, the next highest win rate over the last five years. So it's in—I want to say it's in like the mid seventies. And mm-hmm. the next highest rate, I think, is like 65% Oh yeah, at home. So you would expect that to fall. It could well, remain an outlier, <laughs> but you would expect that to come back to earth at least a little bit. And, you know, there have been years in the last... I think there was a year within the last five, if my memory is correct. The COVID year was
0: the year where all that away teams kept winning. Was it
1: 59%? Something like that. Yeah, it was that. something yeah, crazy like that. Yeah. Crazy low rate. <laughs> so no it can like go fans. the it can go the other way too. Now that was a, that one, we have an obvious explanation to point to, right. But, um, it can happen for other reasons, just as one of those weird things. Yeah. And we, we just don't know, but I, I would expect, and and, you know, the other thing too is I haven't done any kind of deep dive. It may be because here's the, the truth is I think we've got less depth in terms of, of really quality Big Ten teams than we've had in a while. I agree. Like, we have a group down at the bottom, four or five teams, that at least, maybe six, um, that anybody above that should look at home or away as, yeah, this is a game we ought to get. And it could be that the schedule in the first half has just kind of played out in a way that's been, you know, advantageous to home teams oh, winning. Sure. And yeah. that we... We might have, you know, we might have better teams going on the road in the second half in winnable situations. That could contribute to it, too. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't done that kind of analysis, and I'm not going to because that's way too much work. (laughs) But it's worth the thought.
0: Yeah. We're a third of the way through the season. And, you know, I was doing everything they can to try and help those away teams, you know, get victories like Michigan. And now tonight was – uh, Maryland went in there and beat the Hawkeyes. They won uh, in
1: Iowa City. Uh, I I haven't been able to watch it. Wow. Yeah, Jameer
0: Young hit a free. Uh, hit a layup at the when it was with a second
1: left. Uh, it's important. It's important for Maryland. I mean, they've yeah they gotta find ways. But yeah, well, Iowa's. It's been a long time since they have seen this. Well, last year
0: Maryland could win on the road, and they won everything at home. And this year they've won a couple on the road, and they've lost uh, they've yeah. lost a couple at home now. So. All right. Well, let's move on to the uh, the lineups for the Badgers. Uh, this is brought to you by the Brothers of Just Two Gutters, sponsoring the player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter, which you'll announce in a little bit. Uh, just as a reminder to the Brothers of Just Two Gutters, they just do gutters. They're located in both the west side of the state and the east side of the state. Anytime you need a job, I have people email me semi-frequently, t- thanking us for uh, recommending the Brothers. They do really great great job they clean out your gutters, they replace them, they'll fix them up, repair them, whatever you need done. Uh, they can put a heated gutters, leaf guards, all that stuff that is not very glamorous, but that's all they do. And they do it really well. They don't just work in residential. They can also do commercial stuff. And if you don't, have to, if you're the type of person who doesn't want to get a ladder like me uh, or you, to clean out your gutters or to fix them up, they'll come and do all that. And they get you good pricing too. So 10% off, if you mentioned final four, when you get your uh, get your estimate you can find ways to do that on a support page like i mentioned before just at slash support and there you can find the link to either uh, for the metro detroit area or the grand rapids area to get your estimate all right so we'll begin with the starters chucky e. hepburn 6 junior guard he was a guy who there was maybe rumors that he was going to transfer he ended up sticking around last year and he's uh, averaging 7.6 points a game on 38 28 and 73 shooting uh, but a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, so that is where he does really well and a th- pretty good defender, too. Yeah, re-
1: reasonably, reasonably okay. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because he has shot better than this in his career, and I can imagine um, Wisconsin fans saying, uh, you know, being very disappointed with the way he's, he's played. And he took a lot of heat last year for some reason. I couldn't quite figure it out. Because he was very good. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but he was very good, um, I thought, especially down the stretch. Yeah. And um, he seemed to take a lot of the blame for them being an NIT team. I didn't think it was fair. And that's why I wasn't surprised to hear he was thinking about going in the portal. But he didn't. He came back. And and look, Wisconsin has had the same five starters for all 19 games they played this year that's really really important especially for a team like them that's very system driven they're going to play the way they want to play and they're not capable of playing any other way really you know you're you're typically at your best with that kind of approach when you've got guys with a lot of experience but maybe just as importantly a lot of cohesion playing together and that's particularly true of their point guard and I, I think, you know, we're used to point guards from Wisconsin, guards in general, having good assist turnover ratio. So that's not surprising. But I think even with the shooting being subpar, uh, first of all, he's a guy that even with those shooting numbers, are you going to be shocked if he puts up a three for five on Friday? No, right, he's capable yeah. of doing right. that. Mm-hmm. So even though the results haven't been good, I, I don't think you're going to play off him and just let him shoot. Uh, and... I think that just his presence, giving them a veteran, a guy who knows how how to play and how to play the way Wisconsin wants to, is very, very important. And I'll tell you this, if they didn't have him, they'd be in real, real trouble, in my opinion, because they don't, I mean, they've got a backup we'll talk about in a minute um, when we turn to the reserves, but they don't have anybody who's anywhere close to his level. Yeah. So, it wasn't like it's not a situation like, you know, at the start of the season where Michigan says, well, if, if AJ got hurt for a few games, Jeremy Fierce and Trey Holloman could have handled it. Mm-hmm. You know, might not have been quite the same, but it would have been pretty good. Wisconsin is, is not there. And if they'd had to go into the season, I suspect if they'd lost him, they probably would have gone and tried to find someone. But they, you know, that's a counterfactual. We'll never know the answer. I just know that. I think he's more important than even the stats suggest like everything's yeah. that the scoring's down, everything's down for him, but I still think he matters.
0: Well, and offensively they're playing really well, right? So you suspect that he's right. He's giving opportunities to better shots, you know, cause he's, he penetrates and, a little bit. And, and look,
1: Wisconsin is not, they never have been a point guard driven team the way Michigan state is right. Their system is different. The Swain offense or the derivatives of it that they run now, I don't think it's a pure swing anymore. That's, it's a its a variant of the old motion game. And that is not a point guard driven offense. You know, so you could, those kind of teams, I, I remember Bob Knight's Indiana teams, the guy who was nominally their point guard, I'm not talking about Isaiah, but other years, wasn't necessarily a super high assist guy. They t- t- tend to spread those around. And Wisconsin does too. But you still want a guy in big moments like like last night in a close game against Minnesota. You want a guy that knows what they're doing, can get you into your offense, can settle things down, make sure that you're getting the right opportunities out of what you're out of your possession. And Hepburn does that. So moving on to Max Klesmet, 6'4 junior. Uh, He's a key
0: reserve last year. He's now uh, the starter. Averaging 10 points a game on 49, 43, and
1: 89 shooting. Yeah, he's elevated his game and he's he's had some big scoring games lately, too. Um definitely a, a portal success story. But you know, that's a thing when people uh, I had another one of these discussions today, which <laughs> I can't wait to talk <laughs> Coach Mike Garland about after this game. Oh, just yeah, a yeah. spoiler alert. <laughs> um but people think it's just well the portal. That's it. No, if you look at Wisconsin, they're a very good example of this. The guys they've added over the last two years, and they haven't added a ton, but Klesbit's one, their backup point guard, Kamari McGee is another. Um, the guys that they've added, both of those kids, are Wisconsin guys. So mm-hmm. they were coming home, you know, and presumably Greg Gard knew something about them. Yeah. You know, he wasn't blind. Now, AJ store is a different story, but I think that Klesmet, it's its a really good advertisement for smart use of the portal. You get a guy that you know something about, as I'm assuming that they did, and you know that he can play in your system. It's particularly important for a program like Wisconsin because it's, it's the furthest thing from a roll-the-balls-out, and see what happens kind of thing right (laughs) right like you have to you have to get yourself attuned to playing the way that they want to play and that's not an easy thing to do and so it means they've got to be really smart about portal guys and that's a hard thing to do when you're in the portal because we know that those recruitments tend to be very very accelerated it's not like recruiting high school kids so, I mean, there are players in the state of Wisconsin, that Wisconsin really hasn't gone after particularly hard because they just didn't perceive there was a fit. So they care about that, maybe more than most places. Kles- bring it back around to but They felt he was a fit. I think he's proven to be that. He was a good reserve last year. He has really elevated his game. He's shooting the ball lights out. I think he's their most versatile perimeter defender. He's tough physically, good size at 6'4". Um, yeah, you, you really can't ask for much more.
0: Then we'll go to AJ Storr, 6'5", sophomore transfer from St. John's. So he's the you know the one you could say he's a great case for how great the portal is. Uh, he leads the team yeah. in scoring at 15.3 points a game on 44-31-84 shooting. Also pulls down a little over 3.5
1: rebounds a game. He really hurt Michigan State, and he hit a bunch of threes, which is not something he typically does. That, that three-point percentage, if he gets that dialed in, it's only a sophomore. So if he gets that dialed in over the next couple of years, look out. But he's so good using his size and strength combined with his athleticism that it's almost like we're used to seeing Wisconsin players who use angles well and they're smart and they're strong. But we're not used to seeing guys who can play that way, but also combine it with pretty good athleticism. He's not Cohen Carr, but he's a very good athlete. That's what they usually don't have. Right. They've usually got guys like Klesman, who's not a terrible athlete, but he's not hes not going to have any wow moments. Stork can occasionally give you those, and yet he plays exactly the way they want to play. He doesn't ever do things, not when I've seen him at least, that get way outside of that. You know? Yeah. Um, he's also good enough that occasionally he can give them, and they don't do this a lot, but he can occasionally give them a transition boost that they don't typically have. So great addition. And this one, look, credit to them for their scouting because he was a St. John's kid, I think. I can't remember where he's from. He might be from the Midwest, actually. Um, so, it, it, But regardless of where he came from, um, he uh he's proven to be I, I think he's as good as any portal transfer in the league. There are guys that um might have a little higher scoring average, but when when you wrap when you wrap everything up together, um yeah, he's from he's from Illinois originally. So he is a Midwest okay. kid. So I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. He played his he was fully means he played his prep ball in Arizona and then at IMG. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. But it it makes more sense now. So again, I'm going to guess much like pretty much everybody Michigan State's added ever as a transfer (laughs) except for Tyson Walker and Ben Carter. They've been guys who either they recruited in high school, Joey Hauser, Mike Mike Chappelle, or they were guys that they knew about because they were Midwest kids, they had seen some of them when they were right. out recruiting when those guys were in high school, et cetera. I think that's really important. It's not surprising that's what Wisconsin does. But regardless, Store has given them – it's an obvious statement, but it also happens to be a true one. You want to look at the single biggest difference down to one guy between an NIT team last year and a team that's still leading the Big Ten at this point in the season as we come up on the halfway mark it's adding A.J. store everybody else is back sure well and then you can also look and say
0: well the year before that the NIT or they had Johnny Davis right and so they're right again right you know, right and then you
1: lose that athletic visibility and you have now a team that struggles to get in the tournament I here's the thing I think store is just my opinion people can differ with this I think store is actually maybe a little better athlete than Davis and I think he He even plays more of a seamless style of game into Wisconsin. I mean, Davis did some of the bully ball stuff, you know, using your size um, inside the arc to get yourself in a good position to make a shot. He did some of that kind of stuff, but I thought Davis, what made him great was his shooting ability, and that's something A.J. Storr doesn't have. But he was, in terms of style of play, I don't think he was a terrible fit for what they did But A.J. Storr, I just look at him and I think, this is what a super, a turbo Wisconsin player looks like. You know, that's just how it strikes me. Very impressed with him. We'll go to the four then and to Malik Hall's counterpart,
0: Tyler Wall, 6'8", fifth-year player. Uh, So he's been healthy this year and he's been banged up a lot the last couple years the last two years, actually Michigan State's played in Madison he has not played and so that may have contributed a little bit to the fact that Michigan State won both times in Madison he's averaging 11.7 points a game on and five and a half rebounds a game shoots 56 33 and 70 although the 33 percent he's only taken to six threes this year uh
1: and gets a lot of free throws too so he gets four and a half free throws a game yeah look I've said this maybe every time we've ever talked about him on this podcast, which given that he's in his fifth year, has been several times. Um, And it's a similar thing to what I used to say about Ethan Happ, although they're not entirely the same player, they're roughly similar. If he ever developed a shooting touch from the perimeter, uh, you'd be talking about a lock first-team All-Big Ten player. Instead, you've got just a very good player that allows you to win games because of everything he does. He's also... Very, very good defensively. When you, you know, down the stretch last night against Minnesota, there were possessions where they got him the ball and just let him go to work in the post. And he's going up against Dawson Garcia, who's got probably three inches on him and probably a little bit of weight, too. And Wall just patiently moved him until he got to the spot he wanted to be in. He he did it to Payne, too, who's even bigger. Hmm. Um, it's, he's an impressive player because he makes winning plays much like the best Wisconsin players. He doesn't tend to do a lot of things that are outside what he normally does and what they need him to do. You know, they talk about the three point shooting. He's attempted six. That's, that's about a third of an attempt per game. <laughs> that's smart. Cause it's not a strength. Yeah. You know, you don't see him trying constantly to face people up 15 feet from the basket and just take them off the dribble. What you will see is him get the ball 15 feet from the basket and try to back a guy down patiently and work himself into a spot where he feels comfortable. That's smart basketball, and that's kind of the Wisconsin way. They typically have guys like this, and he's the one they've got now, and he's a tough matchup.
0: And finally, at the 5, Stephen Kroll, 7-foot senior, uh, played a really good year. He's finally sort of figured things out, it feels like. He's averaging 11.7 points a game and seven and a half rebounds a game, shooting 58, 52, and 73. As anyone who remembers that miserable game in December, he's they, Michigan State's strategy was clearly to just let him shoot, and he did. <laughs> he made those threes early and really got that Wisconsin
1: rolling to start the game. Now what's interesting is, They've played seven games since Michigan State. He hit four threes in that Michigan State game. Mm-hmm. He's hit four more total in the other <laughs> seven games. So he don't take a lot of them, but that percentage sure looks nice. Yeah. And and here's the thing, especially after the first game. You think Michigan State's going to guard him? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure everyone after there. that game, too, guarded him. Right. You have to. But again, his strength is not that. His strength is using his size, using his, his strength and his patience to get himself into good positions down low. He's also a good passer, as is wall. Um, That's, again, typical. I was talking about earlier Wisconsin's offensive approach, and um, it usually involves, more often than not, their bigs are – at least good passers and sometimes like with Ethan Happ they're great Um, these guys are good Um, and he's been a good rebounder he and Wall have also combined as we talked about to give them more offensive rebounding than they're used to having now again it's been declining but it's still those are guys you have to worry about you can't give this team second chances all right so who would you in those starting five say Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter Store. Yeah. Store, and that's an easy Pretty pick because he's their leading scorer. But I just think he's he's the guy who both plays the way they want to play and is their most dynamic player. Yeah. So he will play the way that they, they want to play, but he'll also give them some things they don't normally get and they, they don't get from anybody else. And I think he played really well against Michigan State in the first game. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of the obvious choice.
0: We'll move on yeah. then to reserves. We'll begin with John Blackwell. He was a player Brother Rice. He's averaging 8.7 points a game and 3.4 rebounds a game in about 18
1: minutes, shooting 46, 50, and 84. I hope, I hope I have reason to ask this question on Friday night after a Michigan State victory, and we're not talking about him really helping kill MSU. <laughs> but I would be very interested in to ask Mike Garland if he had any take on Blackwell's recruitment. Um, Blackwell was a sub-100 guy nationally. Mm -hmm. He was part of a good Brother Rice team that had a couple of other D1 guys that never really broke through and got it done. And you could make an argument by the time he was a senior, he might have been their best player, but there are people who differ with that too um, he, he committed very early. I want to say he committed in his junior year. So I think coach Garland was still part of the program. And I'd be curious to know if he's got any thoughts on that. And, and I'm not saying that with any kind of critique of Michigan state, because God's honest truth is this is one where you tip your hat to Wisconsin for seeing it early. Yeah. Right. And they, They've done that with some Michigan kids in recent years and not had it work out, you know. Mm-hmm. But this one, it did, and they got him early. Neither Michigan or Michigan State had offered, and I don't think they would have until at the earliest, maybe the summer before his senior year. He was the kind of guy who, if you look at his profile, he's the kind of player that's a late, a yeah. later ad to mm-hmm. a class for schools like Michigan recruit the way Michigan State and Michigan do. Um so I don't and I don't know look I don't know enough about the kid his dad played in Illinois and was a very good player the older among our listeners will remember the name Glenn Blackwell who was a great guard for the Illini in the um I want to say early to mid 80s uh but um so he's got great pedigree but he was he was a a good player in high school not an obvious star but he has been sensational as a freshman he has done everything you could ever want a freshman guard in that program to do he has shot the ball exceptionally well he's a better athlete than they often have in the backcourt and he looks like he can defend a little bit too so i uh, great addition i think uh, a steal calling him a steal would would be fair and uh, I think he's going to be a key part of what they do, uh, assuming that, you know, the modern era doesn't take him away for some reason for a long time to come because he's yeah. just in his first year. All right. So next reserve
0: is Connor Sejan, 6'4 sophomore, it was really good last year, it kind of came on probably midway through the season or a third of the way through the season last year for Wisconsin. Uh, he averages 19, uh, 3.2 points a game on 39-31-83 shooting. He definitely shot better last year. He was, uh, that was really um, very impressive when he coming in last season. Kind of got out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, and, and this was a team that didn't shoot the ball incredibly well last year from deep. Right. But he did. He was a big part of whatever success they did have. He battled injuries over the offseason, and then, although he's played in every game, I think from what I've read and what I've seen, it's just been a very hard process for him to find his rhythm and you know, when Klesmet and Klesmit's improved store arrived Blackwell's on the team now. So, you know, you're, you're in a situation where your role is going to dry up and keep in mind the suspect part of his game as a freshman was a defensive end. So if the shots aren't falling, well, what are you getting? Yeah. Um, his shooting has gotten better. I mean, when MSU saw them the first time, I want to say it might have been in the high teens. It's now getting, you know, as Izzo might say, he's he's beginning to join the human race um, <laughs> from three, but it's not nearly where he was a year ago. That's for sure. But again, just like with, you know, somebody like Hepburn, if Connor Sejan has the ball just outside the arc, are you letting him shoot it? without trying to contest it? I don't think so. Yeah, that's mis mistake, yeah. Yeah. All right, so moving on to uh,
0: appropriately named 6'11 freshman from Minnesota, Nolan Winter. He looks to be uh, next up in the <laughs> sort of the assembly line of bigs at Wisconsin. 2.8 points a game, 1.9 rebounds a game in 10 minutes, shoots 48, 26, and 63.
1: Yeah, and this, this is looking like the next in a long, long, long line. Of guys just like this um <laughs> you know we'll see if if the three-point shooting improves as he goes There's certainly every reason to believe that's possible um because uh that frequently does happen with young players uh but even if it doesn't you know he could have more gradual improvement and still aspire to have a career like say stephen kroll has had yeah but they just they got a knack for this they got a knack for big men who could shoot can pass it who over time can get stronger and be taught to develop their post games and it just it just happens over and over <laughs> and over and the worst part of it if you're ben johnson coach at minnesota is yeah a disproportionate number of these guys come from the state of minnesota as does <laughs> winter wall is a minnesota kid i have to double check i think kroll may be I mean, Dave have Bo Ryan and on to great guard have made an absolute killing. And this is just to, to go on this tangent for the 900th time, because I know I've done it a lot. <laughs> the single most important thing that Ben Johnson could do, he doesn't have to get the McDonald's All-Americans from that state. It's great if he does, occasionally at least, but he doesn't have to. He's got to get the guys who've been going to Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, it's just that simple. Next would be Carter
1: six 6'7", junior,
0: plays about 10 minutes a game, averages 2.1 points a game on 65, 20, and 83
1: shooting. To so call him not exactly a finesse player is putting it mildly, but his, <laughs> his role is important, though, because they'll use him to spell wall. They could also use him at the five a little bit if they want to go small, but I don't think they do that very much, especially since Winter has proven that he's worthy of trust. Uh, yeah. But he just comes in and plays hard, plays physically in the minnesota game he made a couple of hustle plays that might not look like big deals but i think they helped wisconsin when they were they were struggling to hold minnesota off um he's again wisconsin frequently has these kind of guys and he's the latest example he's not gonna wow you with anything he does skill-wise but he's gonna throw his body around and he's a fairly big body and um and he'll play very very hard
0: and finally, Kamari McGee, a six-foot junior, backup point guard, averaging seven minutes a game, and scoring about 1.4 points a game on 47, 33, and
1: 73 shooting. Yeah, it's very low-volume shooting. It's, I think his assist to turnover numbers like seven assists, six turnovers. So they don't ask him to do very much. He's basically getting approximately, say, one three- to four-minute turn each half to give Hepburn a blow. But, you know, this is it. Like on paper... He makes sense because he's very quick. And you think, well, that can give them something, but if you can't really do anything with it, it doesn't matter so much. He's essentially a placeholder. Um, yeah. And honestly, if if anything happened to Hepburn and he went down, I suspect they'd probably move Klesmet to the point yeah, rather than insert
0: Lance. other yeah, yeah, solutions.
1: Because I just don't think Lance has proven to be, or McGee, sorry, has proven to be um, a high enough level player. But he plays. He's consistently, you know, seven, eight minutes a night. All right, we move on to our squeegee squad of
0: Grand Rapids. Player at Michigan State who cleans the glass the best. Uh, you're on a bit of a heater right now. You've won three in a row, I think. Uh, and actually, you get to pick first, too. So uh, why don't you go ahead and <laughs> tell oh. us who, you, who you're taking? Malik
1: Hall's been very good to me. He has been. Yeah. Sorry, Malik. I am <laughs> going with Marty Sissoko. I don't, think, I don't think Wisconsin – now, that could be dangerous because I was about to say I don't think Wisconsin will put him in the kind of foul trouble that Maryland was able to. Right. But that's also not a crazy thought. So we'll have to see, but I'm going yeah. with Marty.
0: Well, and I think it makes sense. I mean, right now it's pretty much one-two about every game, and so I'm going to have to just go with Malik Hall until we get see signs yeah. otherwise. Uh, so, again, the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids – do great work they came out to my house yesterday and it was pretty cold weather they i was surprised we've never had our windows cleaned before you don't realize how dirty things are, <laughs> things are until you've had them no. cleaned and the one thing we really notice in it is our screens uh you don't notice a little dirt or whatever that kind of builds up in those screens and so like we can see out the kitchen window a lot, <laughs> a
1: lot better than before and again those are say, just it's- gradual things you don't notice it's like going from standard definition to high definition, right? It is. It's like when you watch the old yeah.
0: Lions clips from the, you know, Barry Sanders, like, right. how could I have watched this football? Right. This, <laughs> this, right. I, can, I can't even see his face hardly or whatever, right? Now you can see like every pimple or mole on these guys. Um, so anyway, so they did a great job. I mean, they're out of our house for like six or seven hours. It was very thorough inside, outside the windows. Uh, I was very dumb because I thought, oh, it's going to be really, they're going to be up in ladders because it's kind of raining. And they just set, did almost all the work from inside. They just kind of flipped the windows down. I, I didn't even know my windows flipped down. <laughs> so it shows you how thoroughly we clean our windows. So, so uh, super nice people, uh, great pricing, I, super thorough. I mean, they were phenomenal. So they did a great job. So I'd highly recommend the, the squeegee squad at Grand Rapids. Uh, you can find the way to contact them to get a free estimate, uh, 15% off. You mentioned Rebound when you get the estimate. And you can find that in the support page uh, below sponsoring our who cleans the glass best? And I've got to start picking up the pace here because that's, I had a huge lead and I've squandered it. It's down to three, all, three all now. So, all right. So let's move on to the five keys of the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. And this is a reminder too, that Nudge Printing is sponsoring a trivia question for a free hoodie. Everybody who does this uh, who enters gets a $5 gift card. So if you did the other trivia question, it doesn't matter. You can enter this one. You get a $5 gift card at a minimum different nudge printing, which you could use if you want to go to the store and get some logo apparel. So that's a good way of doing stuff too. Uh, so the tri- tri- trivia question, and I don't know if you know the answer to this one, uh, Rod, but it's uh, March March 4th, 2000. Uh, routine Cleaves in a 114 to 63 victory over a Big Ten team had set the Big Ten and Michigan State single game assist record at 20. So the trivia question is, which team was that? And we'll announce that- oh. After the Michigan game. (laughs) So that's good. Yeah. So anyway, so you've got about uh, the Michigan game is on Tuesday. So again, the Michigan game is when you have to, we will announce the winner. Uh, So get your entries in now. Uh, And again, you can find that entry at the contest page uh, on our website. So you just go to, you go to the web tiffnots.com and then there's contests or you can just go to nudgeprinting.com slash tiffnots and it will be there as well and it goes great you know again great apparel at nudge printing so five keys a the game the first key to the game is inside out michigan state hit a lot of twos against wisconsin the first game uh but you know not great from outside uh, so this has been sort of the, the formula really for michigan state being more effective offensively the last few games in this
1: this run we'll call it 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 looked like a not bad performance from 3 by the levels that we'd been seeing at that time because they were 6 <laughs> for 19 like whoa great so whatever you know 30 whatever 31% 30% um but uh yeah it, it was it was not good um and there were good looks as i recall and and that was part of what made it a frustrating game it was that and the fact that Michigan State simply could not stop Wisconsin particularly from 3 but but generally on offense. Uh for MSU offensively, look, it I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me say it, but <laughs> it's it's true for almost any team, it's especially true for this Michigan State team. Offensive balance is critical. They've got to get the ball inside and score points in the paint. One, because those are higher quality shots, generally. Um, Easier shots, I should say. You're closer to the rim, right? You Mm -hmm. should convert at a higher level. Almost every team does. But secondly, because it forces a defense to loosen up. Yeah. And means that you should, in turn, be able to get higher quality three shots. Now, for most of the season, what that has meant is the guards, particularly A.J. and Tyson, have to get into the lane and to the rim they got to convert inside lately i think we've seen hints of i'm hardly going to call it a dominant post game but of a real viable post game malik hall has been very very good for a while now and has been good for i'd say a couple post-ups a game at least um where he's just backing somebody down on the blocks and he goes to work um In the last game, and I don't even know if we talked about it, uh, there was a sequence. Jackson Kohler didn't play a lot against Maryland, but he had for his first, I believe it was, his first bucket from the floor this season. Yeah, nice little Um, reverse. in, In what, three games? It was a beautiful spin move and reverse. And that's a move we saw him make last year, but he did have issues at times finishing. Yeah, And so we need to see more, but that was Maryland was a really physical team. So to make that play against that defense and a very good defensive team, good stuff. And I think that, you know, it remains to be seen as I've preached basically since the season started and we knew Jackson was injured. It remains to be seen if he can expand his playing time, because that's going to come down to the way he guards and to some extent, the way he rebounds. Um, But if he can, that could also give a little bit of a boost, but look, if you get three pure post up baskets in a game versus some games earlier in the season where Michigan state got essentially nothing out of that part of the game, and then maybe add in the occasional post basket from, uh, Maddie and Carson who are capable of occasionally Mm -hmm. hitting those plays. I can't say I'm a big fan of a heavy diet of it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know it's you're starting to get that production at least a little bit in other ways which helps because it it just adds another element. adds another element teams have got to worry about like I'm going to be interested do we start seeing teams doubling Malik I don't know
0: I mean I, I imagine that's coming and uh and you know as far as Kohler he's only played what two minutes I think in two straight games or something like that yeah uh early indications. I mean, it's been very, very brief. I'm pretty impressed with how he's moving around and how he's defending and rebounding oh, so far.
1: I, I am too. I am too. I'm good early indications, but they're they're brief. Yes,
0: they're very brief, but I think, you know, and I think, you know, if people want to see more of him, and I, I get it, but I think, you know, with the foot injury, it's going to be a little while before you get him back to double digits. I think probably not till the home stand. Maybe against Michigan, you'll see him play a little bit more minutes, but he'll, he'll probably get a turn, at least in this game, at some point. Um, yeah. So moving on, to the second key to the game, it's Malik Wall, or is that Tyler Hall? Uh, so this is a the the matchups of the fours. It's kind of been a weird sort of, you know, these two have been sort of matched up against each other, but they really haven't. Because, like I mentioned, Wall he, was not present the last two years at Madison, and this game, this first this year, Malik was really sick, and so I don't he did, was not himself, and so. As far as we know, they're both healthy and ready to go. So
1: it'll be interesting to see how this matchup goes. It's the first time in a while. Yeah, for whatever reason, it it just, I think it's been February of 22. So two seasons since they entered a game, both at full strength. And interestingly, um, Wall was a starter, Malik was a reserve in that game, but Malik had 12 and 4, Wall had 11 and 5. So pretty (laughs) much a draw statistically. Um, They're they're both critical guys for their teams, obviously. Um, Both of them are capable of giving them low post-production. Both of them are guys who can go get offensive rebounds. You know, that's something Malik does well. Um, Arguably, as well as anybody on Michigan State's team, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, You know, they're both versatile defenders, can guard a lot of different kinds of players. Um, I would say, despite the fact that he hasn't had a knockdown shooting season. You know, Malik's over thirty percent now. And I think he's a little more of a threat than Wall is. Certainly more of but and they both and they both pass him. I mean Malik has done an outstanding job. His assist to turnover ratio is crazy good this year. Yeah. Um and Wall's always been a capable, uh a capable passer. So they're very, very they've both been in the league five years. I mean they they mirror each other. And it's good to see them both healthy. I think if either one of those guys ends up with a decisive edge in this game, that's a big deal for their team. If it's a draw, they cancel each other out. But Yeah,
0: well, and we saw kind of what happened at Northwestern. We had Barnheiser just tore apart yep. that position, that, that yeah, matchup. Yeah,
1: Mich- Michigan State just does not—I'm not saying it's impossible to win if they don't get a good game from Malik, but um, the job becomes much tougher. Yeah. Third key to the game is defensive rebounding. Uh,
0: As we mentioned, Wisconsin looked like a really good offensive rebounding team early in the season, mainly just from wall and Kroll. The ones were pulling all the the boards down. They have sagged off as far as how many offensive rebounds they are getting since they hit the big 10, but they're still definitely capable. And Michigan state has shown themselves capable of being exploited on the offensive boards.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. If Michigan state were consistent at that end, I'd say, all right, a pretty good chance to limit these guys because they're clearly heading in the wrong direction. But, man, we've seen Michigan State just so inconsistent. And, you know, I had this discussion on the Spartan MAG board in recent days, and it's going to be the subject in part of one of my questions for Mike Garland on Friday night. Mm -hmm. I maintain the rebounding issue, the consistency issue with this team, as it often is for any team in the modern game when it comes to rebounding, lies primarily not with Michigan State's big men, but with their guards. And that is going to once again be a key in this game. So that means Jaden Nakins. It means uh, A.J. Hogard. Tyson Walker sneaking in for an occasional board. Trey Holloman, all hands. Cohen Carr, when he's in the game, playing playing on the wing all hands on deck yeah and you have to be you have to be locked in in this game to limiting wisconsin to one shot because they're a good shooting team it's the same thing wisconsin will say about michigan state but the difference the difference is wisconsin's got every right to feel great about their odds of limiting msu to one shot michigan state has more questions and and look Here's the other deal. You're probably not going to have a significant turnover advantage. If you have one at all, you feel good about it. But these teams are pretty even when it comes to turnovers. So I'm not expecting there's going to be a significant gap there. So that means if you want to be on equal footing with Wisconsin in terms of the number of shot attempts you're getting, you've got to do the job on the boards because you're probably right. not going to get an advantage on your own offensive boards. That could be the name of this game. You know, if Wisconsin is able to get, you know, five extra shots, that's that can be a difference maker in a game like this, you know, where where the two teams have some similarities in terms of their profile. You know, it's it's significant. Fourth key to the game is pace. Wisconsin likes to keep it slow
0: and Michigan State likes to keep things moving a little bit faster. And certainly uh, you saw that in the Maryland game when they get and run yep. and transition it. I mean, it makes everything
1: easier and that's just the way they like to play. Look, it's, it's two things. I think that, um, you know, Wisconsin maybe being a little more uh, oriented toward trying to go to the offensive glass. than They typically been means you may be able to get a little more in the way of transition opportunities that way um, maybe that's the case but um fundamentally what i'm looking for is quick play in the half court and look wisconsin's defensively has had teams playing much quicker than they usually do last season the average length of opponent offensive possession against them was somewhere i want to say it was somewhere in the 320s yeah it was near the bottom and that's typically what they do they it's not just that they run the clock when they have the ball it's at the other end they're going to force you to go down to the last five seconds a lot to find a shot and it might not be a shot you want we're seeing with this version they're giving up a lot of makeable shots because people are making them at a decent clip and they're giving those shots up much quicker than they usually do i think they're only 128, something like that. Yeah, in the hundreds
0: versus, yeah, 300s. 127, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so that means there's an opportunity, and that's incumbent on Michigan State. What that means is Michigan State, it's point guard, so A.J. Holger primarily, but also Trey Holloman, probably a little bit of Tyson Walker too, need to be very, very um, proactive and purposeful about getting Michigan State into its offensive sets in the half court quickly, and then making sure those sets are run with a purpose. No dicking around, dribbleitis, taking 10 seconds off the clock while you wait for everybody to get set and actually get into some movement. Can't happen. Man movement, ball movement has to be there.
0: And the fifth and final key is the Cole Center, the dreaded cold Center where Michigan State could
1: never beat Bo Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Listeners, if I told you, what is Michigan State's record over the last six visits to the Kohl Center, would you be surprised if my answer was four and two? You should not be, because that is, in fact, what it is. Now, (laughs) that hasn't equated to dominance in the series, because Wisconsin has managed to win a fair amount over that period at Breslin. Yeah, right. So it's still an even series, but (laughs) two teams with buildings that historically have tended to carry with them a huge home court advantage, have not in this series. It just has not worked out that way recently. Now, how much does that mean for this particular individual game? Not a whole hell of a lot. Every season, it's new teams, new game, new season, new game. Um so I don't take that to mean a ton, except this. Sometimes it's it's undeniable there is a psychological effect when you as an individual player have not had success doing something, you know, to bring it around to our, our region, our state's current obsession, the Detroit lions. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it means everything, but you cannot tell me that the albatross of failure that has been around this franchise's neck for decades has not at times at least played a little bit of a role mm-hmm. in what's happened. I'm not saying it's decisive, but it, if you're trying to tell me it hasn't mattered at all, I don't believe that. You know, that's what makes what they're doing all the more remarkable because you got a group of people who have just shrugged at that and said, screw it, that's not us. Yeah, um, But that's hard to do. For this Michigan State team, a lot of these guys have had success at Cole. You know? Malik Call, A.J. Hogard, um, even Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins, Matty Sissoko. Those guys have been part of winning teams at Call. So they do not carry into this game, even though Wisconsin's at the top of the standings. They don't carry into this game the same kind of psychological baggage that, say, the 2005 team did. Right. You know, which was a Final Four team. And probably nine years out of 10 was good enough to win the Big Ten, but they had the misfortune to be playing in a year where Illinois had the best team of their history. Um, that team lost at Cole. tight game, but lost. Um, they hadn't had any success. You know, even like, you know, most of Draymond Green's teams. Yeah, now, he finally did break through, I believe, but earlier in his tenure, his career, Michigan State struggled to win there. You know, that's just how it was this group does not carry that burden they should at least so i think what it means in a practical sense is there's no extraneous stuff other than what would come with any road game in the big 10 against a very good team put it this way there's a lot less of that stuff coming into this game than there's going to be when they visit west lafayette yeah. <laughs> right right For sure and those yeah. teams are wisconsin's a game up lost yeah, column on Purdue right, I'm pretty right mm-hmm. now I don't think many people believe they're actually a better team but that that's you understand the point I'm making mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. just a different deal because Michigan State's kids haven't ever experienced success at Mackey but they have at Cole so the importance of all of that is simply this in my opinion they can go into this game treating it as any other road game against a very competitive opponent. You don't yeah, have any right. of the the extra nonsense, you know, and that's okay. That's an okay place to be because then it's about the confidence and the way that you've been playing and, you know, taking care of business as a team. And that's what you want it to be.
0: Okay. And the the final thing I just want to mention, I think briefly is let's and Bizo mentioned it in his press conference, I think this week at some point, talking about Jeremy Fears. Uh, As you may recall, Jeremy Fears on December 23rd, 24th, I think it was like 24th, like at one in the morning or something, uh, sustained a gunshot wound to his thigh, had emergency surgery for removal of the bullet. And we came in and talked about that. I reached out to some of my orthopedic uh, associates, Dr. Hamilton, specifically at Coral Health, who takes care of collegiate high school pro uh, athletes. And so, you know, what is sort of the recovery process? And he said, the the biggest thing is it depends on what kind of soft tissue injury that he gets and so if it was whether it's minor, you know, moderate or major damage if it's minor then you expect him to get some physical activity within about 4 weeks, full contact, physical contact within about 6 and anywhere from 6 to 8 weeks you could see him back in on the court. And so we hit the 4 week mark about the I think it's be the 21st of January which was just uh, last Sunday. And we hear word that he's doing things physically I mean he's like uh, working on the treadmill and underwater I mean he's doing you know the he's doing physical activity so he is putting full weight on that and doing stuff on that leg so I think that's in, incredibly encouraging I know you had mentioned before that if he were to play this you do somersaults so we might have to get a video of that if he yeah. <laughs> he comes out uh, but don't I your breath. I, I <laughs> I will I'll say right now. I and I've, cause I cuz was commenting on the board earlier, but I I would be surprised if we don't see Jeremy Fears on the court this season. Now, there may there of course there could be setbacks, there could be he may have deficiencies in his explosiveness, his building move or things like that which you can't know at this point. But I would I, my general sort of superficial impression of who he is and like what sort of, you know, everything we sort of can, you can gather about him seems like the kind of guy who is about as tough as they come and is going to do everything he can to get back on the court uh so i would again i it's all speculation but i do think there's a, a reasonable chance we'll see him back in the green and white before the season's out and i think probably it could be as early as even the iowa game on the 20th or you know maybe the ohio say the 25th i mean it, it could be a lot sooner than we really i mean it Assuming everything goes well, I think I think we could really see him out
1: there. And so anyway, it's very encouraging, at least everything we've heard so far. Yeah, hugely encouraging. Um, and I think that, you know, every bit of information we've gotten from Izzo and just what we can see. Jeremy's been out off the crutches for, I think, at least a week. Yeah, just walking you know, around. And you see a him, bit, right. Yeah. You see him moving. Um, that can't be a bad thing. Now, <laughs> no. as you say, there's a lot. That we can't know that probably even at this point he can't know or his physicians can't know, which right. is, okay, is there an impact in terms of his explosiveness? You know, they're they're totally different injuries. And I don't mean to harp on the comparison, but, you know, when we, when we talked to Mike Garland um, a little while ago, we spent some time around the subject of this book talking about Mateen Cleaves. And the injury Mm -hmm. that he had. And, you know, that was one that's a different injury, totally different situation. One does not and it's also been, you know, twenty-five years too. So there are advances in treatment, all of that. But you just can't know what's going to happen in in that regard, right? I mean, I'm speaking as an opposition here, but that's that's my sense is things like that are unknowns until they're known. And, and so we'll just have to see. And it matters. It matters because that athletic ability is a part of what makes Jeremy special. Now, I happen to think that even if, even if that was reduced somewhat, Jeremy Fierce has every, every element the way Mateen Cleaves did to remake himself as a player and still be a very, very good point guard. I think he has that potential. So, I wouldn't, I'm not saying this in the sense of, oh God, we got to worry if he's going to be, you know, a guy, the guy that we thought he could be. I think he could be that regardless of how that turns out. But obviously you want him to be, to be coming in with, um, his best foot forward. Mm -hmm. And I also think this, I think that, uh, the timeline that you suggested, you know late February is and this is just me talking not Tom is not Jeremy fears and it's <laughs> their decision mine doesn't mean anything yeah but that to me is about the last stage that you could think seriously about bringing him back yeah I, I just agree. think I think if you get into March, yeah, there's a couple of regular season games I think in March and then he have the big 10 tournament and then hopefully, presumably the NCAA tournament. Um, but it's just tough. I mean, I think you want, you want every possible game for him to get his sea legs and, um, and look, the the temptation to play him if he's available is going to be difficult to avoid. So that's something it'll be interesting to me to see how they, how they see it. You know, uh, going back to coach Garland's book and, and I, I won't spoil the entirety of it, but <laughs> I would suggest, and again, if you haven't bought his book yet and you're a listener of this program, what are you waiting for? Because it's fantastic with stories like the one I'm going to allude to here. Um, the story about how Mateen Cleaves handled his his rehab to be able to play as a freshman is remarkable and perhaps instructive in this case because and Izzo's talked about the similarities between these guys their mentality games the way they think about the game their approach their toughness if that's true down the line then you're probably going to see Jeremy Fears pushing to do everything he can to get out there yep and, to, and for Tom Izzo to let him it'll be interesting to see which way this decision goes you know in Cleves's case, Izzo and his parents eventually consented to him playing. And while while Coach Garland would tell you he doesn't become the player he became without having gone through that, I can I believe him. Um, but I can also tell you, because I remember it, the kid played with a back, a back brace. But because he was a McDonald's All-American and considered maybe the highest-profile recruit Michigan State had signed since Magic, the expectations around him were through the roof. And when people saw the way he played that year again, mostly because he's wearing a back brace. <laughs> or as or Coach, yeah. Coach Garland put it, I think he called it a full body cast. Yeah. Um, he didn't play all that well. He didn't play, let's put it this way, he played remarkably for a guy wearing a full body cast. <laughs> But he didn't didn't play the way that people expected a McDonald's All-American and a program savior to play. And so he took a lot of heat. Izzo took a lot of heat. Thankfully, it all worked out. But there are, and that's apart from the physical risk to him, which was the most important thing, you know? So in Jeremy Fears' case, it will be interesting to me to see how they play it out. I would suspect if there is any remote chance, Jeremy Fears is going to push to play.
0: That's yep. my guess. Just seeing the I, kid. Uh, we, that's we my talk impression to too. to him. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I think that's how it's going to be. Does Michigan State approach it the same way they did back then? Remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, and,
0: you know, at some level, as long as you're not further injuring something, uh, you know, at, at you're only pretty much worried about most likely just bony injury. And it probably is not any threat of injury at that point, but my guess. Yeah. So then it's just a matter of, you know, how can you, can you perform compete and, you know, be able to to move the way you want to while you're on the floor? That's going to be the limiting point. And they'll know that before he goes on in game situation. So you'll have an idea
1: of they'll know beforehand. And it's, it's a really, it's a really good point you make that. And again, I, I I said this, but I'll stress it again. The injuries are different, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, if there truly is no risk of additional damage, then, you know, that, that has to be factored into calculus that yeah. it's just about how much is he helping you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can you manage the
0: pain? Can you manage, you know, right. what you can do? Is that enough to be effective on the court? Yep. yep. So, yeah. Which is, again, this is why I believe that he'll, that we'll see him barring something happening, but in, we could, you know, theoretically in two weeks we could see him. So I mean you could even be him in sometime in you know mid February uh, which would be un- hard to believe but we'll know probably I mean we're going to know beforehand if if when he he has to practice for at least a week right sure. and so we'll know right. yes. we'll know probably in a week or two if he if he's not practicing then we're like yeah it's probably not going to happen this year but we'll know right. in a couple of weeks I think so Right. Well I think we'll leave it there um, and just as a reminder to check out the contest you can go to slash contests you can find the link there to enter in for free. You get a five dollar gift card to Nudge Printing, which you use whatever you want. You can also go to our online store, and you can, which is open until February fifth. I think is what I said uh, at eight p.m. And that will have all the different logo stuff. You can get access to all that. It's really, it's again, super comfortable. It's all at cost, so it's uh, relatively, uh, it's for good, well priced. Uh, you can get that at Nudge, or actually, you can get that at our support page. That's probably the easiest way to get to it. And then also, uh, we plan on having uh, Mike Garland, coach the OG, back on after the Wisconsin game. So you should see him afterwards. So make sure you check out that show. And so until next time, the Final Four is on schedule. Oh yeah, go Lions and go Green.